0: Welcome to The Nobody Guide to Life, where we provide tips and tools for personal growth, personal development and your spiritual journey that you can use right now in your everyday life. I'm J.A.
1: And I'm Melissa.
0: You can always find out more at TheNobodyGuideToLife.com, and you can check out videos and find episodes on The Nobody Guide to Life YouTube channel. Thank you for joining us. So if you were with us in the last episode, and I really hope you were, you met two amazing people, two amazing healers, Michael and Raphael Tamora. Michael is a renowned healer, clairvoyant, and author of You Are the Answer. And Raphael is a gifted clairvoyant, spiritual healer and teacher, as well as co-host of their show, Living the Miracle, Michael and Raphael Tamora. In the last episode, they shared some of the interesting details of how they came spiritually to where they are today. And on this episode, we're just going to continue that conversation. We've got a lot of great things ahead. I'm glad you're both here to join us again. Welcome again, Raphael and Michael.
1: Thank you very much for having us. Yeah, we're happy to be here.
0: Well, it's just an absolute pleasure. And I, we didn't get to talk about something that Melissa and I really wanted to know about last last time, which is, what is it like to work as a couple? You know, you talked a little bit about how you learned from the same teacher, but now you're together, you're doing what Melissa and I are starting to do, which is work together as this team, this personal growth team. What is that like for the two of you?
2: Oh, it's absolutely delightful. And, and uh, we've done it ever since we've been together on many different levels. There's been times where you know, Raphael would take on much more of the business end of things and and run that part. And I was doing uh, uh, the readings and teaching and, and working with the individual people and stuff like that. And then there are times where she does much more of the individual uh, private sessions and things like that. We teach together. And so it doesn't matter what we each do at any given time in our partnership, the the great thing is the partnership. I think that's that's the finest part of any relationship because to us, our relationship is not really just Michael and Raphael. It's It's about two souls mm-hmm. who have known each other for many lifetimes. Mm-hmm. And we've been in different kinds of partnerships, different kinds of relationships throughout the various lifetimes we've been together. And
1: even in this lifetime...
2: And even in this lifetime, it changes. You know, it's just like growing up. We were not the same as when we were little kids. And so as we as we grow in the relationship, uh, it definitely impacts the power and the depth with which we can communicate to other people. And so, uh, for us, um, as radio show co-hosts of our own. Living the Miracle uh, with Michael and Raphael, Tomorrow Radio, that has been going almost, we're going to have, in a two months, it's going to be a two-year anniversary. Wow. That's wow. right.
1: Congratulations. Yeah, yeah, that's
2: thank great. you. Yes. Yeah, so. But it's it's reaching now about 10,000 people a week. And uh, uh, that's a different experience than working with, you know, uh, 50, 60
1: people at a time. So it's it's fun. I consider it one of the most important things that we do together because we truly get to work as one. Mm -hmm. And, you know, relationships in this world are very difficult. It's on the difficulty scale of things we have to do in life. Succeeding in relationships is right on the top of the list Mm -hmm. as one of the hardest. Yeah, that's why. There's super geniuses and
2: super athletes and super scientists and people on, in their work. They're incredible, but they might have really hard time in relationships.
1: So I, I believe that um, as the female, the woman is starting to get more recognition and um, more power in a sense to, to her selfhood mm-hmm. in, in the general environment, It's not that the woman is going to be more powerful than the man. Now there's a space for the man and the woman to work together as equals because, you know, having grown up, grown up in the 1950s, we were taught to give the power to the man, so to speak. And we've gotten, we've gotten to live long enough to see that shift so hugely. I mean, probably a thousand years worth worth of shifts in that alone in the world, Mm -hmm. in, in, this 60-some-year cycle that both of us have had. So when we got together about 34 years ago, things were still very different back then. And um, it, like anybody in a new relationship, it took some working out, learning how to communicate with one another, learning how to give each other the right space for each other, sure. and then and then just finding that sweet spot of, we we found our communication we found our space of how to respect each other you know it it takes communication with that partner to be able to have that
2: yeah and the the safety and permission to not only communicate but to work out the differences and and in the earlier show segment um, Raphael started to talk a little bit about Forgiveness is one of the most difficult things for so many people to work with, to learn. But ultimately, what is is a relationship? It doesn't matter what kind of relationship. It could be a momentary relationship with a store clerk that you're paying and getting a receipt from at the store, or a long-term marriage relationship, or anything, family relationships. Every relationship is fundamental to our spiritual growth. And one of the things that allows for that is the ability to forgive. Mm -hmm. And what is forgiveness? A lot of people think forgiveness is just doing, you know, I forgive you. I'm the bigger (laughs) bigger person. I'm the better person. I'm smarter, so I'm going to forgive you. No, forgiveness is really, I like the Japanese definition uh, or the word, the actual word in Japan in Japanese is yurusu. To forgive, yurusu. Yurusu is, the connotation is untying the knot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like you you loosen the knot. And forgiveness to me is exactly that. You're undoing the structures in your mind that you've heretofore lived with and constructed and lived with for a long time usually, saying this is the way it is. And you got to fit into this or I, I'm angry at you. No, in a relationship, that's what you come up against and go, whoa, wait a minute. And you start to realize the beauty in the relationship is this person who's my wife or partner or friend or family member is so different than me. Mm -hmm. She's seeing things from a different light, from a different perspective than I always saw the same thing from. And so I have to step back and that's the first step of forgiveness is wait a minute am i more interested in being right about this principle (laughs) or am i more interested in having us be happy together and that's a tough one at the very beginning because the ego says i gotta be right
1: right
2: and then you're you if you're willing to kind of Postpone that or let it go for a little while, at least. You get to step back and go, wait a minute. There isn't any right or wrong about this. It's two different people, two different souls looking at the same situation they experience from a different perspective. Then I get to expand my perspective. I get to open my eyes wider and go, oh, I never saw it that way before. And that's where the magic happens. Right. And and then you notice your relationship is even deeper and more expansive and
1: more powerful. Right. Because there's room for both of you. And not only that, you're working kind of on the same wavelength. Yeah. Very much so. You know, I, I like to use the example of... Um, gift giving, you know, sometimes when you give someone a gift, they say, thank you very much. And and there's not that, oh, this is so wonderful kind of thing. Well, I experienced that. My father gave me a a, a doll uh-huh. when I was 12. Okay. You know, I was 12 years old. I was number one, I didn't <laughs> like dolls. And I had told my parents that from the time I was two. And number two, I was too old for dolls. But my mother took me off to the side and said, just thank him and pretend like you're happy because you're going to make him happy. And I didn't like that. I I much (laughs) rather have said, you know, why didn't you get me something that's more age appropriate? (laughs) She wouldn't let me do that. And it was actually a a good lesson because later when I learned about energy, I got to see how devastated I would have made him had I told him I didn't like that gift. And, and I watch Michael, sometimes I'll get him a gift and he'll look at it and go, well, this is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> later, see, I am I always shop on cl- kind of a clairvoyant level. Later, <laughs> he'll come back to me and say a year later, I love what you got me. I just couldn't see it at the time. Yeah, and got it for me. a lot of things that are much
2: more meaningful are things that you use every day. So you don't recognize how it's great until you get the chance to use it for a while you know wear it for a while or or try it out for a while and then you go whoa, because it expands your awareness you never would have bought it for yourself
0: because you didn't have any clue that this would be helpful in any way
1: or something that you'd like
0: yeah you know what's interesting you guys said something before opinions are the same way you have to so your partner has a different opinion but sometimes you may not like it in the moment. But you have to try it on, use it every day. You have to make it part of your life. And then sometimes, before you know it, it's changed something, it's made it better. You know, Melissa reads through my, you know, book. She does my web. She's a designer, she's everything. <laughs> and I let her read, you know, I, I let her read all my books you know, my, my, writings that I do, and she goes through and she makes all these edits.
1: Oh, I tear it apart. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yes. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes it feels like she's trying to put me in a shirt that's three t- sizes too small. But if I, <laughs> if I, if I try on those edits, I try on that opinion, usually 99.999% of the time, whatever it is, has made it better. But I just didn't know it at the time because I was stuck in my ego.
1: And and it goes both ways. It goes both ways. And even when it comes to raising our daughter, you know, it's you think about doing something one way and I'm setting it and then he'll say, well, maybe we should try this. And at first I'm like, oh, I don't know. But then you kind of see and you try it and it turns out it works. We can all move on. So. Yeah, that's fantastic. And again, <laughs> that's working with the intuition and tr- and learning to trust it more. Yep. that's right. That's right. What you said, it's it's you know, with the forgiveness piece, that's one of the harder things to do is to mm-hmm. do that.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> well,
2: because what is the you know the the hard part of forgiveness for most people is, is because you're hurting, right? I'm hurting still from what you did or whatever the situation is, and what's that hurt? There's a lot of songs about heartaches and you broke my heart and all that. And that's where the biggest forgiveness challenges are when your heart gets broken, quote unquote, by somebody's actions or words or whatever, betrayal. And But what is that broken heart? The heart, not the physical heart, but your real heart, your spiritual heart, the core of your beingness the center of your beingness is the most powerful aspect of who you are how can it break how can some person <laughs> step on it <laughs> and and break it can't so what is that experience of you know you broke my heart I, i'm in pieces oh what whatever that person did or said or whatever broke wasn't your real heart it's what we create as a fortress around our true spiritual heart of beingness as protection. We start early on because we don't we're, that's the most sensitive. the most powerful is the most sensitive and it's the most sensitive part of our being and awareness. So whoa in in this harsh world when we come in here to incarnate, it's so tough. so we start protecting it. And that's really what the ego is. My teacher used to say, "The ego is the bandage you put on your owie." <laughs> <laughs> and so when somebody comes and rips that bandage off a little too fast, you know, we go, "Ow, that hurt! Why'd you hurt me?" Well, it wasn't who we are that got hurt. It's who we're not that we were using to protect who we really are. Right. That hurt in the busting up of it and so that's why we get our egos bruised (laughs) a heartache is a big ego bruise right and it you know it's simmering it takes a while for it to settle down and when it's hurting we're like wild animals we want to protect it even more ferociously and we bite snap and snarl
0: (laughs) (laughs) On this show, what we try to do is provide those tips and tools, ways for people to navigate those minefields of the ego and the the bruised heart. And it comes in so many ways. And there are so many different ways that we can navigate that. So maybe eating better or meditating more. Whatever way we find to connect with our spirit or our personal growth, that helps us navigate those things that you just talked about. And I'm I'm curious from the both of you, you both do so many different areas of of the spiritual life, clairvoyance, mediumship. I know Raphael's working on a book about animal reincarnation and how interesting is that? Can you tell us a little bit about the ways that you teach people to navigate this difficult world of ego and relationship? What are some of the things you do? Clairvoyance, mediumship, How how do you teach that?
2: Yes. Well, it's the simple part of teaching it is everyone already has it. Right. So it's not like teaching something that people don't have that they have to start from scratch. No, the biggest part of teaching clairvoyance or mediumship use of your mediumship ability or clairaudient hearing ability, whatever, is to it's like mining for gold. It's teaching people how to go within to access what they already have a hundred percent of. Right. Right. So the when people think, oh gee, I'm not clairvoyant. I wish I could be clairvoyant like you. No, they're all only experiencing that they're only using, you know, a very small percentage of their clairvoyant ability. So our job is to help them learn how to start accessing that ability more and more so they become more aware that. Oh, yeah, I've been clairvoyant all my life. I just never recognized it as such. Right, right. And one of the first things, first few tools that we always teach everyone, because we've discovered that we can't teach them anything further, much more advanced stuff, unless they start to have a, at least a degree of mastery over the really, really basic stuff. And for us, what we call forgiveness is one of the basic stuff. <laughs> and But we teach it in a way that's much more simple and me- mechanical so people don't get hung up on it's a matter of principle or not. No, right. it's and it's not right or wrong. And the technique or the, the mechanics, the tool that we teach psychically is called blowing the picture. Mm-hmm. And what that means is we're aware that everything we experience is in our mind, our larger mind, our consciousness. And so, you never have to worry about somebody else's consciousness, it's, oh, it's my consciousness that I'm experiencing what I'm experiencing in. It's within, okay? And how does the experience happen, uh, technically, on a consciousness level? We as souls create mental images, images we call, you know, pictures in our mind, and you know close your eyes and picture this picture that that's mental image right uh, we call it imagination everything begins with imagination creating the image and so when we have bad feelings ah what kind of image do we are we keeping in our mind that we're running and channeling our energy through that we end up experiencing as this bad energy or fear or anger or you know hurt whatever so then We start right off at the very beginning levels, teach tools to people like grounding and centering your awareness in the center of your head. And then we go right into, okay, imagine an image of a rose in front of you. Okay. And why the rose? Well, it's because pretty much everyone all over the world knows what a rose is.
1: And right. it's much nicer to look at than a garbage can. Yeah, <laughs>
2: I mean, we could just as easily go, okay, picture a garbage can, and some people go, you yuck, I don't want to picture that. We could do a compost heap. That's yeah, kind of <laughs> yeah, yeah, compost heap with a bunch of earthworms. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so we keep it simple. A rose, an image a rose, and it could be you know whatever color, shape, whatever you want. But okay, I can imagine a rose, and then now uh, imagine that rose exploding like in a flash of light.
1: Fireworks.
2: Fireworks. Explodes. Great. Everybody can do that. No effort. It's not something that takes a lot of concentration or anything. In fact, it takes no concentration and no effort. And then, then once a person gets the hang of this creating the image of the rose and destroying or exploding that image, then we can take it to the next step, which, okay, as you imagine that rose out in front of you, and you've been having trouble with with this you know your boss at work uh, who's just reamed you out the other day and you're still s- smarting from that and and you still want to get back at him and you're angry and all these emotional feelings are coming up and thoughts of what you can do to him <laughs> great okay that's normal right that's just human reaction and so okay take that image imagine your boss and as you imagine it And then put that image of the boss in the rose. Okay, great. And then just, if you want to heal yourself, if you want to feel better, if you want to get back to being who you really are instead of this angry, stuck, uh, hurt person, great. Just put all the energy that you've been holding on to that you you don't like in relationship to what happened with you and that boss the other day, just put it in the rose. Okay, just all the energy goes. And imagine you seeing that energy flowing out of you into that rose with the picture of that boss Great. Okay, now once you got it all there, imagine the rose and the image of the boss and the energy you let go of into that rose all exploding in a flash of light or fireworks or, you know, make it fun and, you know, joyful celebration. And, okay, now, what do you notice? And anyone who does that goes, oh, and the whole thing might not be perfect anymore, but, but already, but at least they'll notice, oh, I feel a little lighter.
1: And okay. they got
0: to explode their boss, so
1: that's kind
2: really of <laughs> cool too. <laughs> and they might have some fun with that. It.
0: <laughs> well, Fortunately, I like my boss, so I don't have to do that.
1: What's really important too is um, when you're doing this energy work it has a lot to do with um, intention. You know, everybody knows the word intention now. Right. If you do it with the intention of vengeance, you're not really going to get rid of the energy all the way. Yes, um, and that's you know uh, the vengeance energy that is programmed into our minds through everything you know oh he did it to me so I'm gonna go do it to him you know it's unbelievable the amount of that that's out in the media and movies and so on and there's going to be a time when people are no longer going to go to those movies because um, everybody's going to get tired of the results when you get vengeance on someone it starts the cycle that never ends until somebody decides to forgive So as you put that boss in the in the rose, if you do it with the intention of uh, I'm making a decision to change my mind and to forgive, even if I'm still not happy with necessarily the, the things that happen in relationship to him or her, I'm going to work this energy and see how it works for me. I'm going to do it with the intention of letting it go. Or forgiveness. You know, that forgiveness is basically a letting go process. And
2: also, if it's a a really intensive thing, you know, one time may not make it all great. So you go, okay, next step. You have another rose. And then, oh, the thoughts that Raphael was talking about, you know, I'm, I still, that was so unfair. He was so unfair to me. You know, that keeps on coming up in uh, like a loop, right? Mm -hmm. And so then, oh. That's a thought. That's an image in my mind. I can pick that out and go put it into the rose. So I'm putting that, you know, it's so unfair. It's so unfair. He did this to me. You know, put those images, those thoughts, those feelings in that rose next. And then blow it up. Suddenly, it starts to go away.
1: It starts to calm down. And the other thing is it helps you to change your mind on how you're going to respond to that boss next time you see them you calm yourself down you know you start to be able to see there's not uh, uh, like an either or situation in front of you either he's going to give it to me or i'm going to quit yes right. uh, there becomes mu- m- there becomes many more options your creativity can flow into maybe maybe i need to look at the truth of what this boss is saying to me even if it hurts right. or or if this boss is correct, maybe it is time for me to look at. It's really time for me to take my next step to another job. That sort of thing.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And and just one of the real important things that Raphael just said is, you know, it's not an either or situation. One thing to remember is the ego always insists on giving you the ultimatum: either or, you do this or else you're fired. You do this or else you'll never, you know, be happy again or whatever. Right. But spirit never does either or. Mm. It always gives you an open-ended both and. Mm. and. And when it's open-ended, then there's the permission and the space for your creativity to flow, flow out from the within. And then once you're creating, sky's, the, sky's not even the limit. It's limitless. Right. Spirit is limitless. So there's limitless possibilities of solutions to whatever the you might think the problem is,
0: Michael, yeah. I like that you bring that up. I like that you're talking about limitless creativity because I know that you and Raphael channel this energy into. Projects that you do and that's what's so interesting about your seminars and about you are the answer which Everybody in my family's read multiple times. (laughs) You were just in a movie called PGS personal guidance system about intuition and Raphael I know you're working on a book about like we said animal reincarnation and I like when you talk about the limitless Creativity can you both just just for a quick minute or two talk about these Projects that you're working on and how you channel your energy into those projects.
1: Well, one of the things is when you start to know about infinite energy and possibilities, it it really, truly means the sky's the limit. Right. And um, one of the parts of that is paying attention to everything around you and how things go in your life and, and what you notice. And, you know, we both had a lot of messages to give as we have learned this ourselves. And as we learn, we teach. This is part of mastery. And so, for instance, on my book project, which is um, is kind of funny because I've been wanting to write this book since about 1999. Wow! And uh, yeah, I came up with the idea when when uh, my dog was in her last lifetime. Mm. And um, she, unfortunately, I, I got a message one day from a, a person that I know from the other side came to me and said, "You better write that book soon." because she's not going to be with you that much longer and then I got the number two well I thought well I I have two years to write this book well it was two months Aww. and she she passed away and what he had told me was you're going to be too broken-hearted to write the book Aww. and I was very that particular incarnation of hers um, I was very broken-hearted because she died when we were traveling and it was I had actually taken her to a vet just before I put her into kennel because I thought something was wrong with her, mm-hmm. but the vet couldn't find anything. It was just intuitive, yeah. um, and it was uh, it really was her time to go, even though she was only eight at the time. But the book, this particular book, is basically the result of my observation of this animal soul who's been with me three times in my one lifetime and having the first her first incarnation she was with me during my clairvoyant training Hmm. and um, being able to watch her grow as a soul it was amazing the story is amazing and how I was going to write it um, has been an amazing journey because I actually wrote half the book and I wrote it more like a self-help book. You know, I did this and I did that and I did this and I had this experience and halfway through writing the book, Michael and I were traveling back after a 17 day trip, including two events, two weekend events and a writing seminar that we we went to not a writing seminar, writing conference Mm -hmm. in San Diego I had all this, you know, information. I was all excited about it. We stopped at a hotel on our last night, and um, somebody broke into our car and, and oh. stole stole our, all of our clothes, all, all of our dirty clothes, because <laughs> nothing was cleaned at that time. And my, com- and, my, and my computer, and the funny thing is, he had pulled my computer out of the car and said, let's take this. And I said, we're going to be here four hours, put it back in, and, and they have a guard in the parking lot. And, of course, I should have listened because um, the guard wasn't about to um, interrupt the thieves because <laughs> he didn't have a gun or something like that. But it what happened was is that losing my book halfway through writing it gave me the opportunity to take a look at how I'm writing it. Mm-hmm. And I it, so I'm not sad about having lost it, actually. Yeah. And I even remember writing a note to the future thieves of my um, a uh, computer right and put it right in the middle of my computer screen. So hopefully they read it. I didn't get my computer back. But, uh, anyway, I decided to write the story from, from the dog's viewpoint. And um, as her, her experience, looking down from the heavenly plains in her life review but she gets to review several lifetimes instead of just her one yeah oh, and it's funny. just been so much fun to to write so the name of the book the the working title right now is Shanti's lives Shanti's lives an extraordinary story of animal reincarnation but I'm actually going to change it to I think the golden collar is it's about her earning her golden collar as a soul as she evolves. Oh, I like that. That's really, I can't wait to read that. I can't wait to read that, especially after hearing your show, old McDonald had a farm where you (laughs) talked about (laughs) good title, by the way, I'm so excited about reading your book. Thank you.
0: And so just a quick question now at the end here for one of you again, if you would just honor us with this because you've given us so much. <laughs> What's a tip or tool that you can give us to help us again on our journeys of personal and spiritual growth? How can we improve relationships or, or improve improve forgiveness in our lives? What can we do?
2: Ah, yes. As the old Star Trek started, space, the final frontier. Well, I'm going to change that. Space is the first frontier. We each have to have our own space to be that limitless creative spirit being we are in a relationship. That also means we're able, we have to be able to and willing to give the other person with whom we're having a relationship, any kind of relationship, the space for that being that spirit, limitless creative being to be as well. And so that's number one. I feel And earlier you were asking about the creativity, pouring, you know, channeling our creative energies into projects. The very first thing that I always have to do, and this is the creative process, is make space for whatever that project is. So spirit limitless creativity is just like liquid jello. (laughs) (laughs) nobody likes jello right but that's
0: just about as much fun as dirty laundry so
2: So, jello liquid jello you can't serve you have to first put it into some kind of a mold a container in a certain shape that you'd like it to eventually be and then put it in the fridge and it solidifies and then you can serve it as the jello salad or whatever it is and creativity is the exact same thing we have limitless source of creativity creative energy and power but unless we have we make the space for it to flow into it's not going to become it's not going to be pretty it's going to be like jello on the floor yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it could even be dangerous you could slip and fall and hurt yourself so <laughs> and that's why people who are incredibly creative a lot of creative power but they you know you don't want to be around them because they're just flying off the handle bouncing off of the walls yeah you know, a lot of times very energetic kids go through that right and the teacher in the third grade class just tears her hair out because they're all over the place there's not a safe space for them to channel their creative energies into and the space starts as psychic space mm-hmm. not a physical, you know, like a jello physical mold. No, it's a space. And so, if you don't create the space for the communication, for example, communication is all creative expression. So, you wouldn't, I'm sure, you know, uh, just because you have exciting news, run into uh, your um, friend, best friend's office when he's in the middle of an important meeting and say, hey, I got great news even though it's all positive but that would be kind of destructive and interruptive whereas you'll think oh this news is so good i want to have the quiet time where you know full attention could be given to this celebratory joyous news Mm -hmm. so you you think about it and you create space of oh you know this person works really hard all day so Why don't I invite him for a little dinner at his favorite restaurant and we'll break the news to him there after we unwind a little bit. Then there's space for it. The communication works. And that's the same with every kind of creative project is we first start to create the space of, oh, we want to write a book. One of the things you're both writers. One of the things I had to learn really early in my writing, especially book writing, is You know, just like most everybody else, when you're first writing, your goal is to finish writing the book. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And But I realized I I got kind of this, not writer's block, but this, you know, having difficulty moving forward with it. Then I looked at it as space problem. And I go, I created lots of space to write and finish this book. Oh, but the life of the book isn't to the finish of me writing the manuscript no it's publication and beyond that people getting the book and reading it otherwise the book didn't go anywhere right so i I, there'd be no purpose for me to write the book as except for an exercise in writing so then i created i had to go do research i had to learn what does publishing involve what does distribution involve How does a book finished product get to people's hands so they can actually read it? Once I learned that, then I could write the rest of the book.
1: In my case, it was an accident of having so many creative projects going on at once. That's why it finally took me 20 years to sit down and go, I'm going to create the time and the space just to do the writing. And I'm finally doing that. I'm surrounding myself with people who support me and who are also helping to guide me. I'm a pretty good writer, but it's been a long time since high school. (laughs) So it's nice. And also, I've never really taken a full writing course from a college or anything. So it's great to get uh, tips and stuff from people who are not me to, you know, take a look at what I'm writing and, and help guide me as well. So, you know, creativity is, is all inclusive. It's teamwork. It's teamwork. Again.
0: I love it. I love it. And on that wonderful message of creating space for our life, that brings us to the end of this episode of the Nobody Guide to Life. Thank you once again, Raphael and Michael, for being on the show. It has just been a pleasure spending time with you again. Thank you.
1: Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We have just loved it. Thank you, both of you.
0: And I want to remind our listeners, you don't need permission to express who you truly are. You don't need approval to step into the light of your own truth and be fully who you were meant to be, whatever that is for you. You simply need the courage to explore and make space. And if you need a little guidance, well, stay open to what comes from the Limitless Possibility. You never know when you might just get the right message at the right time. You can find out more about the Tamoras and their retreats and workshops and upcoming work at MichaelTamura.com and through their show, Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamora You can also find Michael's book, You Are the Answer, at your favorite retailer. The links will be in our show notes at TheNobodyGuideToLife.com. And you can always check out more episodes at TheNobodyGuideToLife.com or on the Nobody Guide to Life YouTube channel. Reach out to us on Twitter and Facebook at Nobody's View or on Instagram at J.A. or join the Facebook community. Community, simple Spirituality. If you liked what you heard on this episode, please consider sharing it with someone you know. Keep practicing and have a good week.